Lovely notes from Giuseppe Verde. Meantime, for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio at the highest level and always told like it is. I'm Frank Ravello. Glad you can join us. Uh, Richard will join us a little bit later for a recap of Match Week 9 and the uh, preview of uh, Serie A in Europe. Uh, but we do have a guest uh, to break down a small matter of Darby della Madonina. Uh, he is the founder of Sempre Intercom. He uh, has produced at Goal, at Di Marzio, at CalcioMercato.com, at FC Internews English, uh, and uh, is also uh, on a new venture with Beyond the Pitch, uh, and uh, a very happy man where I am a very angry man. Uh, but we say uh, ciao. He's earned his second cap. This is crazy. His second, only a second time on Serie A Sit Down. It's been a year and a half, but we're glad to have back. Nima Tavali. Ciao, Nima. Hi, guys. Uh, hi, 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 man. How are you doing? Uh, you know, Milan lost and in, Inter in won. So, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but, uh, but I'll get over it. Don't worry. I've got, um, I've got some, I've got some alcoholic beverages here that are helping me cope. So, uh, so but um, what, you know, we're going to talk about the Derby. You and I are going to, are, are going to get into this, but uh before we do, uh, your recent uh, announced venture with Beyond the Pitch. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, uh, Beyond the Pitch, uh, basically, uh, we've we've had a podcast uh, studio inter, uh, on Semperinter.com for almost three years. Um, and uh, then um, I, I, was, uh, put, I got into contact with... Uh, um, with Phil, uh, uh, Phil Brown, who, who runs uh, Beyond the Pitch, and they were looking for, um, they, they were interested in, in bringing us uh, our podcast into their network, uh, and then we started talking, and that's pretty much how it is. They, you know, we, we, our podcast can be found on Forza Italian Football, and it can be found on our own platform, but now it will also be a part of uh, the Beyond the Pitch uh, platforms as well. Excellent stuff. I am familiar with Phil and his work uh, with Beyond the Pitch. They did have a radio show um, here in the States on uh, Sirius XMFC for quite a while. So uh, good company to be in uh, and uh, definitely uh, uh, good luck. Um, good luck in your venture with them. Uh, Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. No, we're very yeah. excited. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely good news. Um, all right, so uh, Inter v Milan, a very, I mean, considering the form that both of these teams were in, Nima, very heavily anticipated derby. Uh, maybe you know, for me, I, I can't remember a more anticipated derby or a, a, you know, in terms of in terms of quality, in terms of form, these both teams were in and relatively healthy, no suspensions. It had to have been at least five years uh, where we could actually look at a derby and say, hey. Both sides are in full strength, and this one could this could one could certainly be a good one. Your your thoughts on on this going into the match? Well, going into the match, my, I agree one hundred percent. This was, um, the, in our opinion, my opinion, it was the the, the 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 most important derby in almost a decade, given the the situation that these two clubs have had financially, uh, the the two three changes of ownership for Inter and two for Milan. Um, it's um, it's been uh, yeah it's it's both of, both of these clubs uh, I mean they are twin clubs aren't they 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 seem to go through the same things at the same time 
and 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 they've kind of gone through purgatory and hellfire, both of them, in terms of having Berlusconi and Moratti, two two old Italian classical owners who who no longer have the financial muscles or the will and energy uh, to, um, to 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 keep them at the highest level. Um, you know, modern football caught up with them, and then you have Yong Hong Lee and Eric Tohir, who were pretty much. I mean, I'd say Milan got the shittier end of the stick, so to speak, with Yong Hong Lee because he was a complete fraud. Uh, Eric Tohir basically bought Inter as a as an investment to sell a few years later and make a massive profit, which he has now. Uh, about around two hundred million dollars he's made off of Inter, uh, and and lead the, leading them to. The owners they have today now with Suning, who have, who are who who are the best thing that have happened to Inter in, in a long, long while, and the the Elliott Group, who who you know, despite all the um, doom and gloom about them being vulture vulture hedge fund or or you know and all that stuff, they've actually done some, they've actually done great things uh, for Milan. Uh, in in terms of um, who who you know in terms of the directors you know bringing in Gazidis Maldini uh, Leonardo and also in terms of of the organizational structure and also the the personnel they they brought in I it seems that Milan squad is finally looking like a starting to look like a squad that's worthy of Milan at least um, so no and and also given how both of these teams played I mean sure Inter have have are yet to have that 90 minute brilliant performance but Inter have you know went into this game with six wins in a row in all competitions Milan um, have been playing really good football um, and therefore I, I I was expecting a lot going into this game and I, I like you know and I and I got a chance to listen to your podcast previewing the uh, Derby della Madonnina. And I like what you and, and some of your guests, uh, you know, said about Inter in the buildup. Um, you know, this is an Inter team that they, they're finding, you know, almost like they find ways. They find, re they have resources. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an industrious Inter team. Uh, and I, I very much agree with that. I don't, when I, when I, when I think of Inter and how they've kind of gone about their business in Sevillan and Champions, like I don't. You know, I don't find a a dominant, overwhelming. You know, let's just say not a Pep Guardiola managed team in the slightest, uh, but a team that has the resources is 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 hard working, hard charging, and finding a way to get results. And I think that that's uh, you know, when you think of Spalletti's Roma teams, you know, they didn't have that kind of spine to them. So it's a little uh, it's a little refreshing to see this from a team managed by Luciano Spalletti as well. Oh, absolutely no. I um, I think Spalletti at Roma that was a difficult situation because you had the Totti thing and um, Palotta hasn't really you know he's done great things for Roma, but at the same time there's been a lot of problems there as well and a lot of things that uh, have been mis mismanaged as well. Um, I think Spalletti never really you know I think he although he did really really well in his in his second stint at the club I think he was. It was very difficult for him to to be at Roma uh, during that period, uh, the previous period. Um, although you know, with the Sensi's, uh, Rossella Sensi, uh, Franco Sensi, they they at least things were clear. The hierarchy of the club was clear, uh, and 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 the financial power. What you know, what they could do, what they couldn't do. Uh, Roma have also, you know, they're, they're, all these Italian teams have have you know slowly but surely adapted into. 
into modern football um, and uh, Roma, one of those teams. Um, but yeah, no, this is a this Spalletti, this Inter that that, uh, that that Spalletti runs is a team that's very pragmatic. It can hurt teams in several different ways. They don't just play one kind of football. They're they you know they, it's crosses, it's through the middle, it's it's uh, they're good in, in set pieces. They're strong in the air. They get players who can shoot from the outside the box. They have Icardi who who always scores from inside the box. So it's it's a it's a very versatile team, um, and that's 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 Inter strength, and that's helped them a lot this season. And it's definitely going to serve them well. I mean, if you're going to do well uh, domestically and on the continent, uh, you definitely have to display uh, versatility. The best the teams that have performed the best um, in European competitions are able to certainly perform that diversity. So to that extent, there's you know it. it it's a surprise, but it's not that Inter have six points out of six in the Champions League, uh, you know, playing Tottenham and playing PSV. Uh, you know, for the Milan side, um, to your point, yes, this is a project to get excited about. And this is what it looks like with a striker that can actually score goals like Gonzalo Higuain versus having Nikola Kalinic, um, you know, a young Patrick Utrone who was, he was thrust in and scored some key goals at some key moments. Um, and Andre Silva, although... The thing that I've always argued is that Andre Silva never was really given a deserved chance uh, in his time. For some reason, uh, Gattuso and the coaching staff and then prior to that, Motella always saw something in Kalinic that, for whatever reason, they did not see in Andre Silva. Uh, you know, but be that as it may, now Gonzalo Higuain is on board. And coming into this game in all comps, Milan scores 10 goals in three games. Uh, so both teams firing. I actually expected this to be a goal fest, all things considered. Uh, you know, certainly didn't. Uh, expect the scoreline that ended up happening um and then so uh you know to the to the Milan point of view this was this was the best Milan team we've had going into a derby in quite some time um quick note on the San Siro nothing like the San Siro when it's packed like that on derby night isn't it you and I can both speak from personal experience too Oh yeah, I mean, I I I was uh, very fortunate. I, I'm very fortunate to have been uh, able to cover the games, uh, the derby, at least uh, six, five, six derbies, uh, you know, live. And the, 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 the that stadium, you know, when it's packed, evening game uh, derby is, is is something special. It really is something special. It's it's got a magic in the air almost. It's got something yeah. in the air, and it's uh, and that you know. And that and and the those two sets of fans and those uh, tifos they put out. I mean, the Curva Nords tonight was breathtaking. Um, it was beautiful. It was it was one of the one of those things for the ages. I mean, it showed they've been working on that for three months. They they said that you know they told everyone to they had sent out a note on their homepage asking everyone to be all the people who were on the first, second, and third tier to be there at least one hour before because they wanted this to go as well, go go, go as well as possible. Uh, and um, it was it was gorgeous. Uh, Milan's tifo was also pretty funny. I, <laughs> the the hands of the devil uh, ripping the snake in half. Um, no, it was it was pretty cool. It, it was pretty cool. I thought that the, the, they 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 um, 
they both, uh, the, you know, it, it was it was an amazing setting. But I have to say something about Milan. You know, say going into Milan, uh, going into this derby, being excited, having a Milan's, uh, you know, Milan having the best team. I agree with that. I think this is the best two teams. Uh, both of these squads have never been better in almost a decade, and that's why I'm so vehemently disappointed in 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 how Gennaro Gattuso approached this game from a Milan point of view, because I think he, he this is you know once one time is one time two times but this is the third derby in a row under Gattuso where Milan under him goes out not to play. You know, if if this was Sassuolo or Siena or, or Parma coming to the San Siro to park the bus and just waiting to counter-attack and, and win, that's fine. But this is Milan. Milan is not supposed to play like that. And also, you know, every derby, you know, aside from that, every derby has their own history and, and its own character and mythology. And the mythology surrounding the, the Milanese derby has always been this, that Inter and Milan, no matter how well they are doing or not doing, no matter how, you know, no matter what, what's happening otherwise, these teams go out to that derby and they try to win. They go for it. They, they, and that's why we've always had these amazing goal fests and, uh, the, you know, one, you know, three, three nil nil draws in 29 years. Uh, you know, th that's why it's been like this. And now under Gattuso for the third game in a row, it's basically park the bus play deep, defend deep, wait for Inter to do a mistake, win the ball high up and counter-attack. He's changing the dynamics of the derby in its core. And that's what's pissing me off, you know, pardon my French. Because this is the derby de la Madonnina. This isn't Torino-Juventus. This isn't Hellas-Kievo. This is this is the Derby de la Madonnina, and and this is the derbies you know that I grew up with, and all of us grew up with, and and the, the, you know I want to see these teams go at it, uh, you know, and and I'm not talking like Spanish Barcelona, Real Madrid, everyone gung ho eleven strikers. No, I'm talking about a game that has everything that has you leaving, you know, chirping for, you know, gasping for air at the end of it, because these are two teams that have absolutely gone for it, trying to win, uh, playing intelligently and tactically. But this, this is now, what is it? 180 minutes now that Milan have not been able to score against Inter. It took them an extra time in the Coppa Italia in the 107th or 17th minute to score against Inter after barely creating everything. This is a trend. And Gattuso, if, you know, this is a trend I hope ends now because I don't want the the fundamental fabric of this derby to be changed in the way that it is being changed, especially by Gattuso. You said a mouthful. <laughs> let me. Yeah, sorry. But no, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I was gonna. I I don't mind turning a guy like you loose and, and and being able to say something like that. So let me follow up on the things. First of all, the atmosphere and the the atmosphere itself. I personally got to experience it ten years ago. My wife and I were honeymooning. We had tickets. We had tickets to the derby. Um, it says something about a derby. It says something about a match when you can go into the stadium and get to your seats two hours before kickoff, and both ultra sections are full. Both ultra sections, not just one, um, and they are shouting back and forth at each other. I mean, that's that's what I walked into when I looked at this. and said, "Oh my God, we're in for something." Um, you know, my experience, obviously, my my experience. It was Mourinho's first derby at Inter, uh, Ronaldinho's first Milan goal. It was a one 0 win for Milan, but I mean, the star power that was on display. If you were going to go to a derby, that was a pretty damn good one to go to. Uh, Inter had Zanetti, they had Ibrahimovic, they had Cambiaso. Um, Milan had Kaká, they had Ronaldinho, they had Pato, they had they had you know Gattuso in midfield. 
Um, you know, so just the star power from that game. Um, it's one of those where because of that, I can never, whenever Milan come here for the United States tour, I can never be serious about wanting to go and see them play here in the United States. It's like, you know what? I did it at the very top. Why am I going to spend my money, you know, at a, at a stadium built for American football watching, you know, maybe the first team I'll, if I'm lucky for 45 minutes and then all the backups play after that. So no, thank you. I, I, I got the full experience and I got the bucket list experience at the San Siro against Inter. Uh, so, you know, so the atmosphere, that's where I come from. And you know what? I'm going to, uh, I am going to, uh, swallow my pride here and I'm going to say Inter's TIFO game was strong tonight. That was impressive. And Milan's was good, but I was very impressed with, uh, with Inter and the work that they put in, um, you know, with, uh, with their TIFO tonight. So, uh, well played to the Curva Nord and, uh, enjoyed that because I don't do that very often. Um, and then finally the Gattuso tactics, um, you know, and cause we're going to jump into the meat of the game here shortly, but I'm as frustrated as you are as a Milan supporter. I don't get why Milan try to establish possession and basically play the same formation, the same 11, uh, just about every game with very few changes. And I don't understand, uh, for the life of me, why Gattuso you know, is willing to throw that at an informed Sassuolo and monopolize possession, monopolize chances, go out and win 4-1, uh, you know. But then now when it, whenever it comes to the derby, you know, it, feel, it feels like to me Gattuso just tightens up way too much. And it's reflected in the tactics. It's reflected in the substitutions. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's reflected in the overall flow of the game for Milan. So I agree with you there. I, you know, I would like to say, hey, Get in, we're here because we get superiority in possession. We're here because we attempt that. We're here because we produce chances. We're here produce, because we produce chances for Higuain. Okay? Um, we've gotten to this point in the season. We've gotten on this run because of that. Uh, and to go from that and try to put these 11 – it almost felt like with their tactics that it was putting square pegs into round holes. Um, this is not what this, this – 4-3-3 of Milan is set up to do. You know, I've said in past podcasts here on, on Serie A sit-down, Nima, I've said it almost feels like, well, Gattuso's married to this 4-3-3, and I've said this on other podcasts too. And it is a copycat version of sorts to what Sadi did at Napoli. It's certainly not the talent of the players at Napoli. No, you know, I'm not, I'm not making those that comparison whatsoever. But, you know, Jorginho in the regista, Hamsik in the in the role to the left of him, who can link up with the attack a little bit closer. You know, he's kind of got that going on with Bilia as a regista, with Bonaventura doing that, and then you know, Kessie in the Allen role where he's doing all the all the hard work. Okay, this system works if you want to try to have some superiority in possession, much like Saudi's Napoli teams did. Okay, so to go from that and to go to trying to play Catanaccio and set football back forty years just doesn't, you know. I don't get it, and it's mixed signals. And the crazy thing about it, for the third consecutive game, Milan nearly pulled it off. I would like to see Gattuso just say, hey, turn it loose, be you, play the way you're playing, you know, and go from there. So I've, I've got no problem with what you said there, Neiman. No problem whatsoever. But, like, the thing is, I have no problem with playing defensive football if you, you know, if you, you know, as a, you know, if you, if you're down to nine or ten men, or if you've got a big injury situation, and, or you're coming from a, from a situation where 
you know, you've, you've, you've suffered, you know, there's crisis at the club. Generally, you need to tighten things and not lose. I understand that in just one game. But this is the third game in a row where he right. is fundamentally changing the dynamics of this game, you know. And and it's and it's and it, and the reason that he's doing that is quite simply that he's scared. He knows that Spalletti is a way better coach than he is. I don't think that it's gotten more, you know, tactically speaking. Um, I mean, he basically admitted that in the pre-match press conference. And therefore, he chickens out. I mean, there you cannot tell me that Suzo, Bonaventura, Kessie, uh, Bilia, Higuain, that they cannot play possession football. They, they can play possession football. I'm not saying they shouldn't defend. I mean, Inter defend too. Inter and Spalletti are a very solid team defensively as well. You know, it's, it's, you, know you, ha- you, know, you can't just attack. Uh, it's only in Spain where they don't, don't know what defense is and everyone is supposed to attack gung-ho and matches and 7-5 like in the NHL. That's that's you know that that's that's Spanish football. But in, in Italy, you play with your brain equally as much as with your heart. Right. And that, that's what I feel that whenever Gattuso is faced with Spalletti, he, check, he, he completely throws that out of the window because he's afraid of getting exposed. And I don't want to see Milan just go for it. I want Milan to at least try to go for it. Milan right. didn't try over, ni- over 180 minutes now. I mean, the last derby last spring, the return derby, when, you know, that should have ended 3-4-0 to Inter because Icardi uh, basically missed three open goals. But that was the same thing there again. He didn't even try. And and Milan didn't even try. Now, that team had Kalinic up front. Now you have Higuain, who is a, he's, he's a goal scorer. And him and Suzo have been turning it up in the Serie A. And, and you know, you can see that there is quality in this team. And I want to see, you know, I want to see these two teams go at it, at each other. But in order for that to happen, you have to have a coach that is worthy of Milan, as uh, in the terms of his t- tactical and technical ability. Gattuso I th- has now proven without a shadow of a doubt that he is not a Milan coach when it comes to when it comes to to the, to that to that ability. And and the sooner Milan get rid of him and get Antonio Conte in, the better they will be. Because Conte is a big club coach. You know, he has a big club mentality. Gattuso plays plays like he's coaching Crotone with Milan. And in big games. And that's just not acceptable, in my opinion. Because, again, I'm, I'm talking about the Derby de la Madonina now in isolation. This game is, you know, has its own, has its own mythology, as I said. It has its own character and its, and its own history. And, and, and he's changing that. Uh, you know, even when Sedorf and Mazzari were on the benches and they were playing uh, with Mexes and Ranocchia and what was his name? Uh, you know, the, the, you know, we had Kuzmanovic in midfield and Guarin and all these shitty players that you know these two teams have have unfortunately, due to their adapt, you know, their their struggle to adapt to modern football, have you know have had these past six seven years. Even then, they try at least tried. They failed because they lacked the competence, but at least they tried. And yeah. and now what we're seeing is and this is you know this is Milan for crying out loud you know this is this is the Derby de la Madonina this is the what's beautiful about this Derby has always been that it's this one city one stadium shit you know two clubs that are world class that that have conquered the world and our world you know our football aristocracy and are known for 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 having star big big world class superstars in 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 their teams and 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 entertaining and and being glamorous 
And then, and then I see today for the third game in a row where Milan from day minute one parked the bus and just waiting to, you know, playing like playing like a provincial team. That that's that's uh, that that annoys me because I don't want this derby to change. And and I hope that for the sake, you know, I've always said that Italian football and Milanese football needs a strong Inter and Milan. I think everything is falling into place except on the coaching position at, at Milan. He he's he's not a Milan coach. It's it's just it's it's just that simple. Okay. Um, when the only time the you're you're dead on in the sense that I'll I'll say this the frustrating because Milan even with the way they played still carved out a number of chances. But when the most dangerous chance for Handanovic was a cross. An intended cross by Ricardo Rodriguez that somehow dipped goalward, uh, where he had to adjust and he had to he had to he had to he had to parry the ball out of there. Um, that 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 speaks to you, that speaks quite brightly to your argument. I think that and Suzo's volley in the second half that he couldn't quite connect on uh, stood out to me as maybe the most dangerous chances Milan had. Sure, they had shots, but Handanovic wasn't troubled. And that's the part that bothers me. When you have players of the quality of Suzo, Chalhanolu, uh, Iguain, you know, Bonaventura who can bob for, bomb forward and, and, and join in, um, those four are talented enough to be able to put Handanovic under siege, and they didn't do that today. No, they didn't. They didn't even try, and that's the thing. It's, 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 that's what bothered me the most um, is the fact that they didn't even try. Uh, I mean, the game plan was clear from game, from minute one. Uh, park the bus, win the ball higher up, and counter. And when you see Higuain becoming so fed up and frustrated that he's down to the left of Ricardo Rodriguez to pick up the ball, there's something wrong with that. Again, you know, with all due respect to all these other teams, but you know, Milan is not is not is not Sampdoria or Crotone. Milan is Milan. This is a derby. Um, and and you know with this you know the, and also you have to make a statement because this is the new Milan now, this is the Milan that is going to, you know that 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 is that is kind of finally you know coming back to 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 realize its full potential as the club that was you know classic Grande Milan and then yep. you have a coach that that just basically craps the bed and parks the bus. And and since from minute one, I mean, as I said, I have no problem with defending because, you know, in cup games, uh, you know, depending on the situation, if it's a cup game like Inter in the semi-final 2010 against Barcelona, three-one advantage, uh, you get a player sent off for because uh, Barcelona player was 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 simulating. Uh, you're down to 10 men at the Camp Nou in a Champions League semi-final, I have no problem with parking the bus. But mm-hmm. in the Serie A, Derby della Madonnina, a derby, day nine of, this, of the Serie A, come on. And you don't even try to attack. All you, all you build your game plan offensively is, is on the other team making a mistake. You know that that's that's not that's not Milan. That's that's not worthy of this derby. That's not worthy of Milan fans. That's not worthy of Inter fans. That's not worthy of anyone who is in any way connected to this derby. And 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 that annoys me because that's never been the case. That is that's what's been so unique about this derby, is that it's 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 it is two superstar teams with a 
great, you know, with an image of themselves as world conquerors and have been world conquerors. And therefore, you know, they, they've gone for it because they want to show at their stadium at home how amazing we are. And then you have, you know, you, you get, you know, I can understand again, you know, Gattuso maybe feels, inf- you know, feels feels inferior to to Spalletti tactically, but he can't demonstrate it the way he, he he's been doing these past three derby games. And I know he's, you know, I think that he'll get Milan to the Champions League, but I sincerely hope that next summer he's out the door uh, for for Conte because that that is a coach that is da milan if you know what i mean he's at that level he's a he's a winner he you know he doesn't allow he, he conte has always demanded uh, you know uh, that, that his players defend and attack as a unit but he would never ever but he would he would always in every single team he's ever coached he would get them to impose themselves on the game as a big club clearly gattuso lacks that uh, that skill Clearly, and and that's not good for the Serie A, and that's not good for Milan, and not um, for I, the Derby. I will pick on Inter just a little. I mean, but my picking on Inter is it, it's only going to get me so far here because in the second half of this game, Nima, and then we'll get into some of the incidents and just kind of answer some questions about those. In the second half of this game, when I'm watching Inter when they have the ball and they 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 certainly have the possession and it. it Milan only Milan had an inferiority in possession. There's no doubt about it, and, and certainly they played a lot more negative than Inter did. They still got off 15 shots. The problem is, is they just never troubled Handanovic. Um, Inter in the second half, the game to me got very got quite predictable. Um, it was get it wide, curl in early crosses, and hope Icardi gets to the end of it. Now. Yes, it got very, very predictable, but this is a Milan team that we're talking about that can't keep anybody out of their goal. So it's one of those where I don't fault Inter for going that route because at some point they're going to get a goal out of it because Milan have proven all season long they can't keep anybody out. They continue to concede goals. The only clean sheet they've gotten this season was against Dudelange in the Europa League. So... Go ahead, keep curling no. crosses, and eventually one is going to hit Icardi, and it did. Uh, not only that, um, I think now we can clearly talk about what the Italians say, caso, when it comes to Donnarumma, because he is not himself. He's he is insecure. He's scared. He's not commanding. He's not he's not doing any of the things that he did when he was 17, 18 years old, and he burst onto the scene. He looks scared. And this is this is an issue. I don't know if there is a problem between um, him and Gattuso, or or him and the the new the new club, or whatever. That he doesn't feel. Uh, he he looks scared. He looks mentally weak. Uh, he looks scared. And you know, building on what I said before, that this derby, you know, it's very typical that this derby was was decided by a howler because that's you know that's pretty much what it was. It was an abate. Uh, Donnarumma Howler that decided this derby, and this is this is not how these derbies should be decided. This should be decided on brilliance and skill. Uh, I mean, and, 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 and to, to your point, if I may sad. jump in, Nima, if I may jump in, Vecino's cross felt like a very desperate cross. I mean, just just looking at his position and how he did it, it just like he just whipped it in and hoped somebody would get to it. The thing is, I, I I don't I don't agree with that simply because you of, don't? Um, no, it wasn't a desperate cross. If you look at the kind of crosses that 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 kind of cross was, Inter tried doing those kinds of crosses, these early crosses, 
that Kandreva is actually a master at uh, that, that's his that's his best asset. Kandreva's ability to whip in crosses early on, where the defense has to run backwards and and the and Inter and Icardi are moving with with space towards the goal. Um, th- those kinds of crosses are, are 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 something that Spalletti wants Inter to do. So I think that's very consistent with how Inter did throughout the throughout the match that that kind of a cross. Um, it was just funny that it was Vecino who did it and not Candreva. Candreva mm-hmm. has, was brought was brought on to do just that, uh, but but he didn't um, because Inter, and, and and that's something that when Inter tried doing that during uh, earlier in the game, they really they really hurt in Milan. They uh, Milan struggled uh, as most defenses do uh, because that is that something that's really really difficult to defend against if you do it properly. Um, I'll back but, uh, off. I'll back off the description of desperate, but th- just looking at the replay and looking at when he did it, it was just kind of like he kind of had it almost. You know, he almost had his back to the penalty area when he did it, and just mm. completely, just completely swung. Uh, mm. You know when he crossed it. I mean, it ended up being a heck of a cross because it got it got to the target. I, I thought it was Candreva first that, that had hit the cross because that's the kind of crosses he, he, <laughs> yeah. he you know, that, that's that, that, like that's what he's supposed to do. That's his strength. This, these kind of uh, this this kind of curlers, early curlers that 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 the goalkeepers struggle with. But that that I mean, what was Donnarumma doing there? I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, talk about being in no man's land. I know it's the ninety third, ninety second minute. You're tired, but what was that? That was a that was disgraceful. That was so disgraceful. And then, um, and, and and the way he collided with Musaccio and, and Icardi's just like, they collide with each other and he's got an open net. I mean, it was, I mean, again, this, that was not worthy of Derby de la Mandorina. That's, that's something no. I watch when I'm, when I'm in, in Sweden watching a Derby in Stockholm, you know, that, that it's that <laughs> level I expect. Not, 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 not at the San Siro. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, but uh, like I said, I mean, in, that Inter can keep just pumping in early crosses all game long. Eventually, they're gonna. Eventually, one's gonna get to Icardi because, for the very reason that Milan have not proven they can't keep anybody out. I actually thought Inter was going to beat Milan if they were going to win. They were going to win it on a set piece on a corner because Milan's corner defending on top of it is just absolutely dreadful. Um, and I gotta do you, a mea culpa. Sorry, sorry. I gotta do a mea culpa. I I think Musaccio was really good today. Um, Musaccio had a good game. Yeah, I was. I've been very critical of him in the past because I don't think he's good enough to be in Milan. But I thought he was good today, and I can't. I don't blame him at all for the goal. I blame Donnarumma completely for that goal because he was. No. He created that mess out of his own. But no, I, I, I think this is this is a, this is a Milan that. Um, I think the, the the building blocks are there. I think you just need the right coach. In my opinion, this team is built to play three four three with Antonio Conte, uh, and the sooner he comes in, the better the Serie A will be, the better the better Milan will be. And and God, I cannot wait to see a derby with Conte and Spalletti on the sidelines. I mean, Jesus Christ! Then then we can talk about a master, you know, battle of the of the minds and. And 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 you know, the, the, oh, I can't wait. I just hope it happens because, uh, uh, you know, I think I wouldn't be, you know, given how Di Francesco is doing, it wouldn't surprise me if Roma snapped him up first. But I hope for Milan's sake that they 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 wisen up and get Conte. They uh, boy, what a chess match that would be if that actually happened. So, 
Can you just imagine having Allegri, Ancelotti, Spalletti and Conte all in charge of those four big teams and then, you know, have a good... Uh, oh, it would be so cool, wouldn't it? Like, it, it would be. be. It would be so awesome. I'm going to keep my faith in Reno Gattuso just for a little while longer. I'm not going to totally... Cru- I mean, I wish the tactics would have been different from Elon. I'm not going to totally crucify him uh, over one game. I'm, I tend to be a little bit more patient with managers than most people do. Um I'm stupid like that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm not the kind of, you know, whatever out or sack this. No, I'm just saying that now with almost a year since Gattuso taken, taken over and his approach in big games is, especially in the Derby is, is, you know, as an isolated thing is, 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 is bothersome and, and quite annoying. But I mean, his results otherwise have been pretty good and consistent with what you could expect. And he hasn't underperformed. Uh, I just don't think that this is the guy that Milan uh, will will win titles with or even, you know, contend titles I, with. I definitely don't ignore the prevailing sentiment out there that Gattuso is only going to get this Milan team so far. I don't. Um, I also look at the jobs that he came from before getting this Milan job yeah. and think, you know, this is, I mean, it's a dream job because he's Milan through and through. But you look at the jobs that he had before, this, this is like heaven to him right now. So, um, you know, so... Uh, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just that way. Let's go through some incidents that happened in this game, Nima. Uh, you know, VAR happened in a couple of situations on, um, on some goals that were ruled offside. First for Icardi in the 12th minute and then, uh, in for Musakio in the 42nd minute. Uh, this is why VAR is in place. I think VAR got it right on both of those occasions. Yeah. I mean, it was, there was a touch by both of them. Um, and uh, they were offside, and I think the VAR got it right. I think overall, Marco Guida, uh, he had a, he didn't have a good game. His, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, for me, a good refereeing performance is is um, is, is consistency. Is to keep a level, a consistent level, and and stay that. But um, uh, he doesn't. Uh, mm. He didn't. I think he was very, very, you know. Uh, he he was losing the game early on, uh, and he, he looked completely out of his depth. Uh, and and I'm glad that things didn't get out of hand. But if there was a there was a moment there in the first half where it looked like he's losing control of this game. Uh, yeah. I think even Icardi went up to him and said something like, "You need to stay on top here because this is this is deteriorating pretty quickly." Uh, but thankfully, it didn't. Um, uh, but you know he's a pretty young goalkeeper. He's a he's a pretty young referee. He's he's um, you know he he has experience. But I I don't I think this was the biggest game of his career. I personally would have you know I you know I personally would have preferred someone with a bit more experience of of these games uh, who can who can be a bit more consistent. But I, I was surprised by the uh, decision on who should have uh, refereed this game. There's certainly some there's certainly some other referees with even World Cup experience and. European Championship experience among the roster that I thought easily would have gotten this game, unless you know the FIGC sees enough in this guy that they said, "Hey, let's 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 test you and give you this game." So I, I thought he was average. I don't think he was. I don't think he did a great job, but I also don't think he did a poor job. Um, no, you know, I thought. He, I mean, for me, he didn't do a poor job. He was inconsistent. Mm. Um, the incident between Belia and Nangalan in the 18th minute. Uh, Belia shown yellow. Um, was that fair enough for you? Look, if if that's a yellow, then then fine. I have no problem with that. But it was a harsh challenge. It was a very mm-hmm. very hard challenge, and it was a, um, 
it was a challenge where I think that, um, in my opinion, uh, I've seen I've seen players I've seen players uh, get sent off for similar challenges, uh, and uh, uh, but I mean, fair enough. You want to you know you want to keep a high level at um, it's a derby. You don't want to, mm. you know, you 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 want it to. Um, Hey, um, you you want to, you want you want to, you want to let the players battle it out. Fair enough, I have no problem with that. But um, no, um, I, I I think I, I I just what I had a problem with was his um, uh, was was the lack of consistency throughout the game, which sure. uh, which can which can you know destabilize matches uh, of this character if uh, if if the players aren't uh, experienced enough uh, thankfully that was not the case the quality of the players and the experience on there was was enough to 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 not let it get out of hand but i don't think that was thanks to guida i think that was in spite of guida and that's something i would i wouldn't like to see uh, in the derby bias aside i thought the yellow was i thought yellow was fine um, cuz yeah yeah it's a, it's a bad challenge but his feet are down. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no stud showing, um, you know, in the end, Nangalan, I mean, Nangalan inadvertently steps on Belia's foot. I'm not saying Nangalan's, I'm not, I'm not saying that Nangalan's guilty. Nangalan clearly, clearly was fouled there. Um, you know, but I think, I think anything, anything beyond a yellow, I think a red would have been really harsh in that situation. It was a late challenge. It wasn't, um, but it wasn't as, as, as reckless as I've seen. So, no, 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 absolutely uh, not. Absolutely not. I think you're so, right. Uh, I think you're right. Um, I'm just saying that, uh, no, what I mean, I mean, the thing is, like, for, for example, when Vecino against Juventus, when he was sent off last season, that it was something similar. This was, I'm just saying that I've seen players get sent off for that. Uh, sure. By the, you know, so for me, it was hardly a stone cold red card. And I think he would have ruined the game. So maybe it was the good decision after all. But I'm just thinking that throughout the rest of the game, um, if that's the level you want to keep, then you should keep on a consistent level. And I feel that Guida didn't. I think if Belia's cleats are up there, then you have to consider, if Belia's studs are showing on that, then you definitely consider a True. red. Um, True. So I think that that was kind of the defining. I mean, is there, you know, how much intent was there really here um, was kind of the decision on that. So, all right. I mean, who knows what those, those, who knows what those officials are thinking when they go through that, you know, you and I, if you and I could decipher that, we could probably make a lot of money just predicting a lot of things down the road. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, moving on, here's a couple of notes that I had when I was taking notes on this game and, and, and tell me if you agree or, or disagree with this. Okay. You know, Nangalan obviously had to leave the game through injury just about 10 minutes later after that incident. So in the second half, one of the things that I noted was clear that the presence of Nangalan is missed since he came off injured. Because I think that, you know, his – Valero has some experience and some technique to him, okay? But he's not Nangalan in the sense that Nangalan is very hard-charging, plays with a lot of guile, you know – tackles more, you know, you're more of a multi-tool as a midfielder than Borja Valero is. I think that that was starting to be missing from that particular position, but it was made up for, and you can, you can go at me on this or not. I thought Marcelo Brozovic was, if he's not the best player on the pitch in this match, he was one of the two or three best in this match because he more than made up for Nangolin's absence and just got in on just about every tackle, um, you know, throughout this match. I cannot agree with you more. For me, it's this this transformation that 
Marcelo Brozovic has had since January 2008 under Spalletti, where he went from a from a player who was so inconsistent, he was on his way to be sold to Sevilla, from to Spalletti basically dragging him out of the taxi on the way to the airport and saying you're yeah. staying, and then him turning into one of the best deep-lying midfielders in the world. I mean, this the guys, did he even misplace a pass today? I mean, no. it's, it's just the way he caresses the ball, the way he treats the ball like it's his baby, and he, he never misplaces a pass. The way he ties Inter's in defense and offense together, the way he... Think, I mean, who is this guy? You know, I, I love what Spalletti has done with him, and he's just turning out to be uh, this double pivot with him. And who, you know, if he plays with Vecino or Gagliardini or whoever, it's just wow. I, I, the thing is, like, I don't. I, I thought he was brilliant uh, today uh, again, but I was really surprised by the impact that Borja Valero had on the game. I thought he would struggle. Um, but the, the the amount of skill this guy has, and the intelligence that he has, um, uh, I, I was I, I thought Inter actually started to 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 play a little bit better with him uh, uh, in terms of uh, how they c- controlled uh, the ball around Milan's penalty area with Borja Valera. But obviously, with with Nainggolan, you get so much more. Uh, maybe you don't get the the technique and, and flair, but you get the explosiveness, you get the aggression, you get the movement, and you get the, you get a player who can shoot with both feet and, and bury it in the back of the net, and you know. So it's a different kind of player, uh, no doubt. And now I, I was surprised with what Borja Valero did. God knows we will need him uh, mm-hmm. now that Nangolan is out for at least two three weeks. Um, Let me read you. Let me read you the stats. Let me read you the stats on Marcelo Brozovic from this match. This is on so, this is from SofaScore.com. Uh, an 85.4% accurate pass rate. Uh, three crosses with one of them accurate. Uh, 14 long balls. 10 accurate long balls out of 14. Um, that's impressive. Regardless of who you are, the, the guy, the guy, the guy, and, and, and that's not enough. That's not all. That's not all. Uh, he had a shot off target. He he was fouled once. He committed two fouls. He had a blocked shot. He blocked a shot. Two interceptions. Five tackles. He won every one of them. Um, and this is this is uh, this is for ninety minutes uh, that he played with a with his left uh, thigh severely uh, bandaged and was clearly in a lot of pain. This is this is Brozovic in pain playing like this. These stats you talk. I mean, it's it's insane. Like, it, what is going? Like, who? I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm so amazed at the, at the level that he's, uh, that he's literally taken that extra step as a player uh, under Spalletti, and it's truly amazing to see. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. For me, if, on the Milan side, um, I, I think the two best players on the pitch. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say Lucas Bilia if it wasn't for the yellow card, but he got in and he started winning some tackles. I thought that his performance was was relatively strong. Say what you want about the Nainggolan situation at the beginning of the game in the 18th minute. Um, I, I thought Frank Kessie played his, absolutely played his socks off, and, and a lot of people are jumping on Gattuso for the substitution and bringing on Bakayoko. Bakayoko wasn't bad, but you know what? Kessie was exhausted. I mean, the guy just – I'd, I'd be curious to see how many miles he actually covered in this game. Um, but uh, kind of in the same ilk, winning tackles, you know, intercepting passes, net, certainly not to the level of Brozovic uh, in this game. But I thought that Kessie, 
was Milan's best player in this game, and I thought I think Bielia rivals him. I think those two players. So really, the midfield, the midfield battlers, if you will, I think were the best performing players in this game, given what they're required to do and what's asked of them by their coaches. What do you think? Um, you're gonna you're gonna disagree with me on Bielia. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I, I I'm not gonna disagree with you uh, on Bielia at all. I thought I, th- I thought Bielia was good. I thought Bilia, I think uh, I, I I personally really really rate uh, Frank Kissy. Um I I think he's such a damn good player, mm-hmm. uh, and I um, and and I think he suits. Uh, he's a Milan player. He really is. Like yeah. Uh, so I think um, uh, no, um, I don't. Uh, I have no problem with that at all. Um, uh, then the second part of your question, I, I didn't hear. The midfield battlers in this game for both sides were probably were arguably the best players on the pitch. I think you know in, in Milan's case, Milia and Kessi. Uh, we talked about Brozovic, but also Matias Vecino. Yeah, I agree. I think I, th- I couldn't agree more. I think this this game was that that's what was so interesting to see because I was so keen going into this watching those two central midfields battle it out, and 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 I thought we saw it was uh, both of those. Um, the midfield uh, departments play really well. Uh, I think. Uh, um, I think. I think Milan were just hampered by having a coach who who didn't want them to play. But Bonaventura, together with, um, now that was that it was it was really interesting. I, I agree. I think for them. Uh, but I was really impressed by Romagnoli as well. Um, mm. I was. I, I thought he was really really good. Yeah, Romagnoli um, and Musacchio had good games. I mean, they kept they kept Icardi quiet for ninety two minutes. Um, yeah. and then DeVry and Skinniar, obviously uh, they, they, they played Iguain out of the match. So, yeah, uh, so definitely. Skriniar, Skriniar was fantastic today. I mean, he, he's a, he's such a lion, isn't he? Like he, he just goes in and, and just wants to, he, he, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's one of those players that when he decides that you're not going to get past him, you're not going to get past him. It's just, <laughs> you're not going past him. It's, it's, it's like Lord of the Rings with Gandalf and that monster. You shall not pass. Like he, he just, mm-hmm. boom, you don't, you don't move past me. Um, no, I, I, again, it's, 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 it's so, it's so interesting because, because both of these teams have such good, have such high quality. And, and I really, really like Bonaventura. Uh, the, the way he runs with the ball, it looks so natural. It, he flows with it. And same way with, with how Brozovic, the way he links up, uh, even injured like he was today. Um, he, he, the way he, you know, there's so much class and so much quality in these two teams that, it's um, it, it will be, it's going to be a really good season. It's going to be a really interesting season, and I hope that Milan can unleash, because I think it would be so so interesting to see. I'd like to see them perform a little bit better against top six teams. They obviously they have a win against Roma. Uh, they had a two 0 lead against Napoli that they that they threw away. I think out of uh, and again out of panic. Uh, you know, and we've gone through this, you know, multiple times. Um, you know, and then here against Inter, nearly got out of there with a point. Um, but uh, but the goal there by Icardi in the end uh, ends up seeing all three points for Inter. And uh, I've got no problem with saying Inter deserved the three points in this game. Um, I'd like to see Milan play with – try to establish a little more possess, possession, a little more superiority in possession. I'd like to see them take the game to Inter. Hopefully they'll do that when they are the home team in this derby for the next go-around. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. So – let me ask you a couple of questions here about Inter, and then we'll turn you loose, Nima. Um, 
you know, as we can do, a, we can we can put the uh, Serie A spotlight on Inter with Nima. Um, the one thing that w- Richard and I commented about last week on our podcast was the concern for Inter's schedule here. Now, you just had to play an emotional derby. It took 92 minutes to get three, get the three points on your fiercest rival. And now you have this immediate turnaround where I'm imagining the itinerary is Monday they're going to train. Um, the players that probably took part in the match will not train. It's usually how it works in these situations. And then Tuesday you have the flight to Barcelona um, and have to play Barcelona at the Camp Nou on Wednesday. Um how 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 much of a disadvantage is this for Inter going in, or the fact that Lionel Messi now pretty much will not play uh, in this game on Wednesday after he suffered an injury over the weekend? How much of that, you know, makes this a little makes this particular turnaround a little easier? Well, Messi doesn't play, isn't playing, but Inter are going there without Mangolan, probably without Perisic, probably without Brozovic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, I, I'd say you know, sure, Messi's you know, Messi or Ronaldo, they, they, those two are you know at a different level than everybody else. But I, I would have, um, I, I, <laughs> if I put it to you this way, it's more of a loss for Inter to go to Barcelona and play without Nainggolan, Perisic, and Brozovic than it is for Barcelona to not have Messi for one game because they have so much quality in other parts uh, uh, and in other players that they they can they can you know maybe not replace him fully but they have a they can still fill that void if you know what i mean inter don't have another Nainggolan. they don't have another brozovic they don't you know okay perisic maybe keita balde today looked really good but um this this uh, this is this is going to be a struggle until the next international break in mid November. Uh, I was really looking forward to uh, to, to that one uh, to this to the international break being over. But with the injury situation, I'm counting the days now from an Inter perspective until the next international <laughs> break because we we this squad needs to rest. I mean Perisic. Perisic looks so tired and exhausted and out of form, yeah. like physically, not 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 in terms of, I think you know, I don't, I don't think he's peaked and and is on his way down in terms of quality. That guy looks exhausted. He looks like he's been on a, like he's, he looks like one of the guys from the the Hangover movies. Like he's he needs he needs a holiday. He needs a he needs a holiday or something. Like I feel bad for the guy. Like he wants to, but his body just isn't responding because he's exhausted. Um, that you know, I think they need to really, really rest this guy back into form in January when when, when the winter break comes. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's, sorry. He's he's in the same boat. I mean, he's in the same boat. And we made the comment when we talked about Inter going into playing Tottenham Hotspur on match day one. It's like if, you, if you're going to be Tottenham, this is the time to do it because that whole team uh, collectively played seven games at the World Cup. When you consider how they're made up, the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper plays for France, and pretty much the entire starting eleven either played for England or Belgium. So you know, and and we we forget the Croatians who you know had a long World Cup, got all the way to the final, you know, had a short turnaround in terms of time off, and then had to report back to their club. Paris is being one of them here with uh, uh, with Inter. So um, you know, so it's there. There's definitely some truth to that. I I'm reminded of Milan back in '94 because a chunk of those players were on the Italy World Cup team that got all the way to the final and they were just garbage, you know, in the for the first half of the season, barely got out of their uh, uh, group in the Champions League that season. And that was with, even with the two point penalty 
Um, you know, so World Cup hangovers do exist. And, you know, I, I can agree with you to that point. Ivan Perez is certainly uh, certainly appears to be suffering from it because I've seen him better than this. Well, he, he just looks like he doesn't have the energy to do what he wants to do. I mean, right. you see, you still see the quality there. It's just he, the, the 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 gas the gas meter is on empty, uh, mm-hmm. and, and and that's uh, that's you know they need to bring this guy back because the Perisic on form, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you look know, out. Everybody knows. Look out. You know, he's yep. he's brilliant. Yep, definitely agree with you there. Let's talk about Luciano Spalletti. Um, you know his Roma teams. You know, and like I talked about earlier, that 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 lack of a spine. Um, you know, what are you seeing with him at Inter that's different from his times at Roma? You know, and in particular, you know, I, the the spine might be one of it, but you know, give me some things that you think that Spalletti might have learned from his time at Roma that he's that he's putting to that he's putting to use at Inter that's uh, that's certainly helping him and helping Inter achieve success. Um, I think it's a combination of things. I think that he never really, um, I think maybe at that point of his career, he was too much of a volatile character or he's always been a volatile character. I think at Roma, that's such a volatile club, um, that, 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 that kind of caused too much, uh, he was rocking the boat too much, um, with, at Inter, the, it seems that whenever he, he loses his, his his marbles, and when he loses his shit, to to you, lack of a better expression, that that falls into good ears. I mean, the, the players kind of sort themselves out, and they it seems that he's got a really good feeling and connection with these with this group of players and this club. Um, they're all on the same wavelength, and they're all enjoying each other's company, and they're understanding each other, and they're reacting to each other in a positive manner. Uh, and that's the most important thing when you have a coach and a manager, that there is this dynamic uh, that it doesn't, you know, there's a positive spiral uh, instead of the negative spiral. Um, and and I think, to, it, it, if you ask me, it was the perfect timing for Spalletti to come to Inter at that moment in his career and at that moment for Inter. Um, and and, and it, was a, it was a match made in heaven at that time. I think... Um, you know, Spalletti is is a team builder. He's a team. Uh, he's a play creator. Uh, he 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 doesn't. He hasn't won many titles, but he's more of a long term coach uh, than a short term coach. And I think bringing in a short term coach, like for example a Mourinho or a Simeone, even to some extent, that would have been the wrong decision. Or even Conte, actually, uh, to that effect, would have, would have been wrong. I think it was the right decision to bring Stas Paletti. The timing was right for, for everyone involved. Uh, moving forward, I would say that um, Spalletti, Spalletti has, has, has a job to do for the next two seasons, uh, this season and the next season, uh, uh, or, or whenever it is Simeone's contract at Atletico Madrid ex- expires, because he has to be the next coach. I mean, after Spalletti, the only logical, natural step is Diego Simeone. There, there is no other choice here. Uh, I think from here until that bridge, I think, in my opinion, then this is an Inter that should improve on every season under Spalletti. Last season, they finished fourth uh, and qualified for the Champions League. This season, Inter should finish third 
try to get through from the group in the Champions League, go to a Coppa Italia semi-final or final, and then gradually build up to it the same way Mancini did in his uh, four or five years at the club before handing over to Mourinho, who, 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 who took it to another level. I think that is something I think we, we will be seeing with Spalletti, um, that he will have the Mancini role uh, to build towards something and then having, <clears throat> excuse me, then having Simeone uh, kind of take it to that final next level. Nice. Two more, two more for me, and then we'll turn you loose here, Nima. Um, l- let me start with Mauro Icardi, uh, the captain. Uh, you know, at the infancy of Serie A sit down, we had our fun with him, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, uh, run-ins with the ultras, uh, his wife. I mean, there's, there's a number of different things, uh, goals certainly heal wounds. Are we at a point right now where the, the most ardent and the most ultra inter supporters have forgiven him and they back their captain? It seems, I I don't hear much, uh, animosity uh, towards Icardi anymore. No. There's there isn't much animosity towards Icardi because there isn't much animosity to be had. I mean, what do you what else do you want from the guy? I mean, he's already equaled Christian Vieri's uh, record in the Serie A goals for Inter. He's, I mean, this is the this guy. If he stays at Inter for the rest of his career, there is no doubt in my mind that we're talking about a potential all-time goal scorer of the Serie A. You know, yep. I think I think Pio, I think even Piola's Silvio Piola's record is uh, is 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 at risk here, if you yep. ask me, because this this is this is a goal poacher. Um, so, um, but it, but then again, you know, he he said that he will never leave Inter until he wins something, uh, and I think he means that. Uh, I think uh, he is. Uh, I think he will, he will stay at Inter until he wins something, uh, and I think he, um, I, I think he will, and he will want to win something uh, seriously important. Um, then, where whether he goes to England or if he goes to Spain, who knows? But I think that right here, right now, I don't, I don't see Icardi leaving uh, for at least another two, three years. Unless somebody I, breaks the bank and comes out with 160 million euros or something like that, then it's a completely different ball game. I can't think of any any place where he could be better uh, right now. I think it's a perfect fit for him where he is right there at Inter. Um, last question, just okay. The ownership is stable. You have a manager, and you, you, we alluded to Spalletti. Uh, you know, being a manager that can give you, you know, that can be in there for a, a longer period, and obviously. Between Mourinho, from Mourinho to Spalletti, that's a seven-year period where I think you were you're definitely in double digits in managers, ten or eleven of them, I think. Um, so, just kind of the overall health of the club from an ownership standpoint, and what are the ambitions going forward? Is there a a, a privately owned stadium possibly being discussed? Just kind of give us some of that uh, that some of the off the pitch stuff with Inter. Uh, no, uh, when it comes to the San Siro, I think it's pretty, pretty awesome, pretty clear now. It's uh, that Milan and Inter are working on a deal where they will basically um, work on a 99-year lease uh, of the San Siro, uh, where they will they won't own it, but they will lease it for 99 years for a set fee, and then both the clubs will go in and invest heavily into into the San Siro, uh, sharing the the burden, the financial burden, creating. Um, a new kind of multi-complex uh, uh, where um, where the, to modernize the stadium in every aspect imaginable. 
um, you know, from from a commercial standpoint to to museums to to everything. Um, I think that that's something that uh, the mayor of Milan uh, and the city council of Milan have wanted because they don't, you know, if. If if Milan and Inter were to leave uh, the San Siro and build their own stadiums, then you'd have an empty colossus named the San Siro with a lot of history that no one uses. That's something that the city would 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 would, would find very objectionable. So I think uh, now I think they're going to work on that and they're probably going to sign that 99-year lease and run it together. Which will, you know, in the only difference is that it's a 99-year lease. They don't own it. They pay a set fee as opposed to renting it season-wise as they do now. Uh, and also that, that that creates income for the city because it means that for the next 100 years, the San Siro, the, the costs of running the San Siro will go off their hands. Um so it's a win-win situation for everyone involved. And in terms of revenue, there's practically no difference between owning it and running it like this. Uh, we, people should remember that the Juventus Stadium is on land that has been leased to Juventus from Turin Council for one euro for 99 years. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a similar deal. Um, other than that, uh, I think the goal going forward is, is I mean, Auxilio basically... Um, confirmed last week that the, the the settlement agreement regarding the violations of the UEFA's financial fair play have all been met and this is the last season and in 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 June July uh, yeah in June 2019 Inter will come out of the settlement agreement and then they can they can start spending without having UEFA actively in their business of course you still have to follow the financial fair play rules and the regulations set out there but uh, but um, they uh, inter will be unleashed on the, so to speak uh, on the transfer market uh, and 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 uh, you know with the revenues pushing 300 million euros for the first time in the club's history um, it's looking really good it's working really, really good from 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 Inter standpoint uh, for the first time in a long time. But this is, again, this is also, this isn't a, this isn't a, a sporting project that is that, that just goes in one way. The, you know, Inter are now a worldwide brand with a with a directorship that is 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 worldwide renowned and knows what they're doing. They're building for the future simultaneously as they are building for the now. Um, it's a very intelligent ownership. I think the the Suning, uh, Suning Suning's signing uh, purchase of Inter is, is the best. Is one of those things that in in fifty years people will look back and say that was one of the most that was one of the best things that could have happened to the club. I you know what? And I'll tell you what I what you said about the San Siro. I'm fired up about that because I you know. I haven't been there in 10 years, but I, that, that definitely looks like a property that can be developed the way you're pointing out. And I'm glad that both clubs are getting involved um, and that it will be done at a level where it looks like they own it, but they really don't. Um, and, and, and I think that's going to be good for, for Milan and Inter going forward. And San Siro is iconic. Uh, you know, there's, that's the thing. 
No, you don't. You don't leave the San Siro. I mean, this is it's it's just the, the left side of the San Siro is it's 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 football holy ground. You know, yeah. it's it's a you don't you don't leave it. And I think they they can still make money off of it, and they can still make you know make more commercial spaces and museums that uh, and and all that stuff that modern sports entertainment uh, stadiums should have. I think the only difference is that well, when Milan's home team, they get them profits. When Inter's home team, they get the profits and then when they rent it out to concerts and other stuff throughout the year they'll just share it but then again they also share the burden of rebuilding it and refurbishing it so i mean that goes hand in hand i i, I don't see a problem here at all i i, I think milan and inter should be at the san siro it's just that, that simple in my opinion yeah absolutely I, I i couldn't agree with you more well nima that's our time with you i mean is there anything else that uh, you want to plug or promote here for our listeners here at Serie A Sitcom? Uh, no, I just want to, you know, uh, I listen to the show often, and I think you guys do an excellent job. And uh, thank keep you for the good work coming from you. That means a ton. So, uh, you know, let's get you on again, and, and it's got to be sooner than a year and a half. I can't believe that we went this long without having you on. <laughs> My anytime, guys. My pleasure. All right, Nima, thank you so much uh, for uh, for being part of Serie I'll Sit down here on Derby Day, uh, Derby della Madonnina. Um, Congratulations. Uh, I say that biting my tongue. <laughs> appreciate and, it. Appreciate it. And again, it. and again, let's get you on real soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, anytime. Right. Go get some sleep now. <laughs> I will, I promise. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye, Nima. Ciao. That was Nima Tavali uh, from Sempre Intercom. Uh, and definitely check out his uh, podcast. You can find that on iTunes. Uh, Richard is uh, now getting ready to jump in with me to talk about uh, match week nine. Here we go. Richard, there you are. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> what the hell happened to you? I'm blaming you for this Derby loss. You did. You went to the DC United game instead of watch the Milan Derby. <laughs> <laughs> You know, last week I predicted that Icardi would score late, and I said, "Why am I going to watch? I already know the result." No, no. Truth be told, is actually, I, you know, I had season takes with DC United. It was their last home game of the season, so I had to go playoffs on the line. You uh, care about some? You care about some ginger man going out and scoring a brace in 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 a, in, in, in Major League Soccer <laughs> than you do about your? I can't believe that you're my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's, it's very blasphemous. I know. I know. But hey, hey it happens once in a blue moon. <laughs> Man, Nima brought it, didn't he? He did. I'm glad I stepped up because uh, it's good to see you guys go head to head. And uh, yeah, he's a wealth of knowledge there for uh, for Inter or Semper Inter, I should say. And uh, I mean, it's it's good to get some insight on 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 the other club from Milan that we like to say we like to joke about. But yeah, <laughs> he, he brought it. He brought it, man. It was great stuff from him. And you know what? I, I if he won that debate, fine. Inter won the match, so that's how it's supposed to go. Uh, you know, so I have uh, I have no qualms. You know, I have no qualms about that, and I have no qualms about the things he said about Gattuso and how Milan performed. I mean, it wasn't good enough, and uh, yeah, yeah, and he was, and he was right. I mean, I mean, when you look at, I'm trying to, like I said, Milan's most dangerous chance was, and they had 15 shots, but their most dangerous chance was Rodriguez's, what looked like a cross that ended up dipping towards the goal, that Handanovic had to adjust to make a save. I mean, and the other one was, like I said, the Suzo. Side volley that he just didn't connect, and it was easy for Andanovic to save. After the, other than that, Inter's goalkeeper just wasn't troubled, um, you know. And uh, you know, we we both agreed that the the midfield combatants were really the best players on the pitch in this game. 
uh, overall. Inter for, you know, Brozovic for me was man of the match, and I'll yeah. continue to oh, say yeah. that. Oh, yeah. uh, and then Vecino, uh, a close second. Um, and then, uh, you know, for Milan, I thought Bilia and Kessie were, were their two best players. Um, <clears throat> and then obviously a slight nod to the center backs on both teams. Uh, just the way it played out. So enough of the Derby della Maddalena. There were other games in Serie A, believe it or not. So we'll talk about them. Um, you know, so I'll go through the uh, scores real quick, Richard, and we can just kind of, you know, get a little discussion there. And then we'll follow it up with a uh, preview of Serie A in Europe because uh, Champions League and, Euro- and Europa League uh, do resume this week. And, uh, and that'll be that. How's that sound? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, the fun began with Roma and Spal. By the way, for anybody that invested in my fearless five picks, <laughs> I'm hiding out right now. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you will not find me. I will release another fearless five, and you can invest in that. And if that works out well, I'll 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 come out of hiding and and uh, and and show my face again. I went over five, Richard. Over five. Oi. Oh. Painful, painful, painful. A lot of people, if anybody bet on anything that I suggested, they just lost a lot of money. So that's why I'm hiding right now um, in my basement. Um, I'm not going to give up my address. You're just going to have to come and catch me. Um, all right. But anyway, so let's uh, get to the uh, – there were eight games that went on. Monday's game is going to be uh, uh, yet to be played. Sampdoria and Sassuolo as of this recording. Uh, but 28 goals over nine games, Richard. Uh, and with Samp and Sassuolo hooking up, that's only going to tell me that I, I think that 30 threshold is definitely going to get broken on match week nine. Yeah, it, if any, if Frosinone and uh, Empoli have anything to say, anything, I think that Sampdoria uh, general match is going to be fireworks. And I, I'm excited for that match. Sampdoria, as I am every, every time. Sampdoria and Sassuolo. Yeah, what did I say? You, you said Sampdoria in general. <sighs> yeah. You got, Rooney, you, got, you got Rooney brain. Or baby, or baby brain, baby or a combination brain. of the two. <laughs> oh my! All right, well fun. let's uh, let's let's roll through this. Roma hosting Spall should have been cut and dry. Should have been, uh, but, but you know what? Uh, tell Spall that apparently they trained this week. Um, they uh, get a Patania penalty on a just a, a careless uh, challenge by Luca Pellegrini on Lazzari. Lazzari was amazing in this game, uh, and then Bonifaci scored off a corner from Valdefiore. Roma did have their chances, just didn't create enough. Um, Vanya Malinkovic Savic would have been the man of the match in this game for me, Richard, had he not gotten red carded. Uh, apparently, yep. did you see what happened there? I mean, it was like, I, yeah, it was like he threw a ball, but there was a ball there for a goal. I, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get my head around it. It was a second yellow that turned into a red. Did you see it? I did not see it, but I heard about it on the radio. And yeah, that's a pretty stupid play from him. With, with otherwise, it would have been an excellent game by him. And to get two, it was a two yellows within four minutes span at the, towards the end of the game. That's uh, that's unreal. He shouldn't have done that. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so but Paul with a shock win at the Olympico against Roma, and uh, uh, just go through John Solano's Twitter feed to uh, get the uh, get the lowdown on what happened in that game. And Fanalos didn't even play in that game, Richard. It was uh, Arpano <laughs> and uh, some other schmuck. So they, they don't have any center backs at Roma. Um, Juve in Genoa was the second game that went on on Saturday. That surprisingly ended 1-1. Cristiano Ronaldo got a goal. Um, you know, they all count the same Cristiano. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was so pathetic. <laughs> but uh, uh, Bessa scored uh, off a header. Guess who was marking him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our boy. I know. <laughs> We That's were always. glad to send back for a guy who we haven't even seen play yet, uh, Mattia Caldara. Well, we got Higuain too. So, um, but uh, but uh, 
uh, Bonucci, uh, you know, left another man alone on a cross, and uh, certainly they scored. And Genoa getting a shock draw, so two shocks right off the bat in Serie A, making it interesting. Napoli made sure there wouldn't be a third, though. They go to the Friuli, and they blow out Udinese 3-0. Brian Ruiz with my goal of the week, Richard. Um, uh, Beautiful curler, and he's a left-footed player, and he scored on his right foot, upper 90. Uh, Dries Mertens with a penalty. Marco Rog getting a goal. Uh, Ruiz actually had to come on for Verdi, Uh, so I don't know if there's an injury there or, or what the scoop was, but he had to come on pretty early. Uh, so he wasn't even figured into the starting 11 until he was forced on. And then he goes and, and scores the best goal this week. Yeah, that's some uh, great stuff by Brian Ruiz. I mean, so, uh, it seems like the guys like him and and uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, when these guys, they don't start, but they get called in right immediately early in the game because of injuries. They seem to have fantastic games. Uh, Pellegrini did early in the season. And then uh, Ver- uh, when Verdi came off this in this game, um, he came on and, and and scored a fantastic goal. Ruiz did, so you know. Hopefully, the injury for Verdi isn't serious, but it just shows you that the coaching is done right because these players are ready, despite not starting the game. They're ready to come in right away and and provide for their teams. And Ruiz like, with a goal, you can't. I mean, I, I can't argue with there. That's that's goal of the week. Yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely well taken. And Napoli go on and get the three points and uh, gain two on Juventus as they try to scratch their way back into uh, this uh, title challenge. Uh, Sunday's action opened with uh, Matteo Benetti being subjected to Frosinone and Empoli. At least that's what we said before the game. Um, (laughs) But then the game actually got, again, that's why they play the games. Uh, This was a thriller, and it started with with, uh, Silvestri making a wonderful near-post run and calmly putting the ball into the net. Problem is, is he's on Empoli, and he put it into his own net. Uh, so that opened the scoring for Frozenoni, and then Empoli uh, would uh, equalize through Zayic, uh, and then uh, Silvestri would actually uh, find his the, the goal he's supposed to score on uh, off the set piece to put Empoli ahead 2-1. Uh, a VAR situation awarded a penalty, and uh, Ciofani equalized for Frozenoni. Uh, he would get a brace, uh, putting Frozenoni ahead 3-2 and maybe giving him their first elusive first win of the season uh but sahil uchan with a or is it sahil uchan i think i pronounced that right um he is going to be on the goal of the week list for a brilliant volley uh off a corner kick that was headed back in his direction uh so frozen only three empoli three um multi-calcio the multi-calcio there were three games going on in that time slot parma nil lazio two uh, Chiro Immobile with a late penalty, followed by a Joaquin Correa goal. Correa very good in this game, Richard. Yeah, it, uh, it looks like the player that we thought he, that he was going to be when Lazio signed him, and it's good for him to get the goal. Uh, Lazio are going to need depth and goal scoring for sure, and it can't just always be Immobile. Uh, so seeing Correa get on the score sheet, uh, it's, it's really good stuff for Lazio because uh, they're going to need it with. They're going to need all the depth they can going with. Uh, it's trying to go deep into Europa League and then also Syria, try to make a. Uh, Champions League push. Very disappointed with Parma in this game. Uh, I, I thought that I, I thought there'd be more out of them. They've been very competitive against teams at home, uh, especially against some of the better teams. I know they fought Juventus all the way. Uh, you know they've they they put up fights here. So to, to to slip and lose the three points here, I I had this as my shock of the week. I thought Parma would beat Lazio, uh, but uh, clearly that didn't happen. Uh, hey, real quick, real quick before you go to Kievo's game, is uh, what's up with the Milinkovic Savage boys? They picked up three yellows today. 
Are you trying to put off? Are you trying to put off the Kievo discussion? Is that why you're asking about this? Is that Let's go on to Kievo. Let's go. <laughs> Your new boy, Gian Piero Ventura, now the manager at Kievo, and oh, was he welcome back to managing? <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Atalanta, <laughs> for doing yeah. what we all hoped you would do. First of all, see what happens when you start uh, Papu Gomez and Ilicic together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We've been saying that how, for how many weeks here on Serie I sit down. 5-1 for Gasparini's man. Martin Darun scoring. Um, and then uh, Josip Ilicic, had it not been for Brian Ruiz, we talked about his first goal being the goal of the week with a peach with that left foot. He'd score a second, and both of those goals are going to make the goals of the week. Uh, his third, okay, he, the first two goals are going to make goals of the week. Uh, he had a tap-in to uh, complete his <laughs> hat-trick. Uh, Gozens with a fifth goal there uh, that was pretty well taken. Uh, and then in the end, uh, Birza gets a penalty. Uh, you know, so Ventura's return. Kievo's president. Did you see where he was sitting? No, I, I missed in that this one. game. It's like he's sitting in like an like obstructed by some rails or some something like that. Like you're the president, you're the president of a football club, and that's where you sit. It's just like, <laughs> ooh, back a couple rows, or or go to some random schmuck and say, hey, I'm the president of this club. You're gonna we're gonna switch seats today, you know, or or go to the thousands of seats that were open. He just decided well, he- to sit. He is the owner of Kievo, so he wants to hide his face as much as possible. So that's, that's what it was. That's what it is. He said, I hired Ventura. I hope nobody sees me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably what it is. So I'm, I'm punchy right now. Milan lost the derby. So, um, the other, um, the other uh, game in the multi-calcio set, Bologna hosting Torino. Uh, Iago Felke uh what a goal. Boy, did they miss him. Um, Daniele Baselli getting the second goal, and then uh, Torino blows this lead. Uh, uh, Santander uh, scoring to pull within 2-1, and then Calabrese on a run after winning the ball, creating some pressure, that sort of thing, getting the ball, equalizing 2-2. Who the hell is Calabrese? He is the goal scorer of this, of this game, Frank. <laughs> That's all I can you, tell you. You don't know either? Okay. So Bologna 2, Torino 2. Has to uh, be a little bit of a relief for uh, people in Zaghi to be able to scratch out a result here. Um, you know, Chievo is sacked. Their manager, Genoa is sacked. Their manager, if it continues to not work out under... If it continues to not work out at Bologna, people in Zaghi is going to be under fire real, real quick. So pretty important to see the fight in this team uh, to come back and get this point. But what does this say about... Okay, let me ask you real quick on two players, all right, For, or two people. Uh, you know, Andrea Bellotti, this is getting very worrying. Uh, and then Walter Mazzari, is he in trouble? Yeah, Bellotti, it seems like that one last year, he just had the, the right mix of players feeding him the ball, um, and nobody really knew who he was. As a, He wasn't this big poacher that everyone knew about, and then all of a sudden he started scoring all these goals. You know what happens when people when you get when when you get found out is that people start paying more attention to you and find out what your weaknesses is what weaknesses are, and I think that's what it is is his teams are are finding out what best ways to 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 shut them down and and they're doing it week in and week out. Mazzari, yeah, he uh, he has a team in Torino that they should be fighting for the Europa League really every you know this year for sure. And they're just they're, they started out well, and then, then all of a sudden they just they're dropping like flies, and I don't understand what's going on. And they need to figure it out with, with Belotti right away, because um, yeah, it's great to have Iago Falke back, and he's scoring goals, but they need to get Belotti on on the ball too. So uh, mm-hmm. there's players there; he just needs to get in the mix somehow and figure it out. If not, 
put put another striker in there that'll maybe maybe that's the problem maybe they're trying to feed Belotti too much and uh they're suffering for it maybe if you sit him a game or two maybe the team rallies around and and really starts going goals who knows but it's uh it's at worrying times in torino for sure yeah definitely agree there um uh, and then uh to round out the games that were played fiorentina and Cagliari. this one's a bit of a surprise one one uh Veratu getting a penalty on a VA, var var awarded uh in a uh incident between nicola barrera and federico chiesa uh, where initially the referee let it go, but then VAR showed that Barrera did get enough contact on Chiesa to bring him down. It was pretty close to the end line. Did you see this incident? I, I think that VAR ultimately got this right. Yeah, and and that's what VAR is for. You know, as much people hate on it all the time, it's plays like this where you know in real time you may you may have missed it, right? But then VAR gets on top of it and says, you know what? Hey, check this out again. Barella did get a you know did get a, get a piece of uh, Chiesa, forcing him to come down. Um, so overall, good call by VAR, and I think it's doing what it's supposed to be doing and getting the calls correct majority of the time. Yep, for sure, for sure. So Calida getting a surprising point there. Uh, I thought Fiorentina would run rampant on them. Uh, but Cagliari's showing a little bit of uh, spine here, and they're in 14th there on 10 points. Monday game, Sampdoria hosting Sassuolo Goldfest, right? I mean, I think yeah. Sampdoria, I'm, I'm going to go Sampdoria 4-1. Ooh. Yeah, based on current form, you would think so. Um, Sassuolo has some goals, and, uh, uh, you know, I can see... I can say something like a a three three or something, maybe four two for Sampdoria, but uh, there will be plenty of goals in this, and I think thirty goals is going to be knocked out. Yep, yep, for sure. So when we look at the top of the table now, we're at that point a quarter of the way into the season. Juventus, Napoli, Inter, Lazio is your top four on. Uh, let's see here, twenty five, twenty five points for uh, Juve. Uh, Napoli on 21 points, Inter on 19, Lazio on 18. Uh, Sampdoria have a chance to get within one of Lazio with a win over Sassuolo. Um, so uh, notables at the moment, Roma in 7th on 14, Milan in 12th on 12. Mm. Um, and then your bottom three, Empoli, 6 points, Frozenone, 2 points, Chievo uh, still 1 under par. Um <laughs> That's a good golf score. That's not a good uh, football table score. So right. <laughs> uh, Atalanta giving themselves a little breathing room there with uh, with the win over Kiev, getting the nine points and maybe getting back on the upswing. Um, so just uh, having a look at this table, uh, what's standing out besides? I mean, I think Juve and Napoli are certainly uh, firming the top two or firming up the top two spots. Uh, have. Inter sealed that third spot. Read a little tweet from Godfather uh, from, uh, uh, from from AC, at AC Milan Sydney saying uh, uh, Inter might have might be locking up third as we speak. Do you agree with that? Um, it's a little early. I, with if it was any team named Juventus or Napoli, I would say yeah, it's locked up. But I think any other team in this league, you can't lock it up because we've seen the momentum swings in, during the season. You know, one of these teams who are out of the out of the picture right now could be get really hot. Um, these teams at the top could really could drop, as we've seen. You know, Inter and Lazio started really on fire last year, and both dropped big time. More so Lazio, and uh, and that was around January, right around the January uh, window, or whatever. So anything's possible at this point. I don't think anything is locked except for the top two uh, at this point. 
Um, maybe Kievo's got the relegation spot locked up, but still, they could get hot as well. So, you know, really, nothing is locked up, and it's way too early to make any kind of decisions like that. Okay. All right. I'll uh, I'll I'll buy that. I'm trying to think of uh, what else. Give me a uh, outside of the derby. Give me a winner and a loser from uh, match week nine. <laughs> well, this is this is gonna this is gonna be a split the difference one. Uh, a winner and a loser. Winner for Frosinone for finally scoring, but they're also the loser because they scored half their goals of the season today or this weekend. Um, they had six on the season. They scored three this weekend. So that's the winner loser. But that's a besides that, Roma are definitely losers in this one. Um, they they're struggling in Syria. They lost to Spall, you know, at home. Um, it's unreal what's going on there. I'm not sure, you know, Di Francesco's days could be numbered as you and Nima were talking about earlier. Um, but you know, that's that's certainly the loser of the weekend for me. Uh, the winner for me is actually going to come from the other side of Rome, uh, Lazio, in a team where we thought were on the fringes of you know falling apart. We you know we we, we thought Parma would you know do well and maybe get a win in this one. They come up and they get a good result on the road, two nothing, head into a big, you know, big uh, Europa League clash against Marseille. That is very good for them. They need to get any kind of momentum, any kind of confidence going into a big game like that. So kudos for Lazio and unfortunate for Roma, they're the losers of the weekend. Um, I'm going to go with Atalanta as the winner. Um, you know, and Gasparini in particular coming to his senses yeah. and finally oh, yeah. starting uh, Papu Gomez and Ilicic in the same team. Uh, instead of just starting one and, and 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 just confusing the hell out of the rest of us, um, and uh, loser I'm going to go with is is Fiorentina. I mean, if they're going to sustain a European challenge, they can't drop points like this against Cagliari, who have historically been awful in away games. And I get that they won at Atalanta, but they Cagliari took advantage of an Atalanta that was going through a really bad period, and I think they're starting to work their way out of that. Um, but you want to be in the top six. You want to possibly be fighting for it. And right now, Fiorentina are in sixth, so it's hard to be too harsh on them. But you need to you need to get three points at home against Cagliari. That those are three points you definitely need to lock up. If you want to be a player in one of these for one of these European places, uh, that's something that you definitely have to take advantage of. And uh, to not close that game out, I think that uh, I'll uh, I'll put it on Fiorentina since you put it on Roma, and I agree with that one too. Uh, my goals of the week, Richard, uh, here's what I've got uh, at number five. I've got Josip Ilicic's second goal uh, for Atalanta. Uh, at number four, I've got Iago Falque's goal against Bologna. At uh, number three, I'm going to go with Sayo Uchan's goal for Empoli to equalize against Frosinone. Uh, at number two, I'm going to go with Josip Ilicic's first goal, uh, that curling left footer, uh, against Kievo, and then uh, goal of the week, already said it, Brian Ruiz of Napoli uh, tops the goals this week. Certainly plenty to choose from. Can I argue with that? You can't argue with that, or you want to? Cannot. Okay, all right. I so agree 100%. Okay, absolutely. So those were our goals of the week. Give us your goals. Give us give us your goals of the week. If you want to uh, move some of the top five around, go ahead, at Serie Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's wrap this up with a quick preview of Serie A in Europe. All right, we've got Tuesday's games, Richard, in the UEFA Champions League. Um, Roma hosting CSKA Moscow. Uh, CSKA Moscow, the surprise leaders of Group G over the likes of Roma and uh, Real Madrid. They're going to need to shake this 
bad taste in their mouth from Spall as quickly as possible. This is a CSKA team that uh, they do have a, you know, we can sit there and say Real Madrid didn't have Sergio Ramos, they didn't have Marcelo, they didn't have Gareth Bale. CSKA Moscow still beat Real Madrid. Yeah, that that it was a very impressive. It was impressive, impressive to get three points against Real Madrid, no matter what. So, uh, doesn't matter who wasn't in the lineup. They got plenty of players over there, Real Madrid, and the fact they beat them, kudos on them. Excellent. I I definitely agree with that. Now, um, prediction on this one. I think that first of all, Final Loss is going to be back in this one. They were rested on Saturday, so that's going to give them at least. Well, I, I, I do I have to say stability about Final Loss? <laughs> compared to what they trotted out there on, sa- on yeah, saturday yeah. okay all right so 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 the built the final loss is going to be in the game so <laughs> and uh you know they might uh rotate the the, the wingers a little bit although i gotta think undare plays maybe clivert starts uh they need to start they both need to start yeah and uh and, and they run at this still relatively slow CSK defense. That's going to be their their chance to win here. I think Roma win this game and, and move ahead of CSK Moscow and get one of those. This is where they get in their position uh, as one of the favorites to qualify uh, from the group. And uh, I like them to go on and uh, win this game by 2-0. Wow, 2-0. Uh, considering the form that they're in, huh? That's a that's a big call. Um, I mean, they've been. In, I mean, going into the break, they actually were in pretty good form, and and this is just this this fall game. I'm going to hope was just a bad brain fart. You know, let's just yeah. that that's kind of what I'm going for here. Yeah, if if you're looking at results from this weekend, you got to give CSK Moscow the advantage and and say they're going to win, right? Um, it's, Roma looked pitiful against Spal, um, and so you most people would say, hey, CSK, they're winning their group. They should win this game. I, you know, I think over since Di Francesco has been to, at Roma, he's shown that in Champions League games when everyone's doubting Roma, it's when he has they have their best game. Uh, I think also, you know, tactically he's going to find a way to shut down the CSKA, and they're going to have they're going to find ways to score goals. You know, whether it's Jeko or you know if Undur or, or Cliver, any of the young boys play. Um, I think Romo have it in them to to get a result in this one, they, and they should really. And to be honest, um, so I, I I too see Romo getting a win in this one. I'm going to say a little bit closer. I'll say two one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, see, there, there's some attacking threats on the CSKA team, so uh, you know, certainly don't want to certainly don't want to deny them of that. But I, I think that Roma are going to find the means to keep them out um, and uh, and uh, get a uh, get a goal here. So. Uh, or get a clean sheet, I should say. Um, Manchester United in Juventus. Uh, Ronaldo returns to Old Trafford. This is what everybody wants to talk about. So let's talk about it. Oh yeah, listen, yeah. I, I got nothing on this. It's just it's going to be a good game, no doubt. It's Mourinho against Allegri. It's Ronaldo's homecoming, if you will, of sorts. Uh, returning to Manchester United, but I think this game is going to be a lot more about. More than more than Ronaldo, it's going to be about Juventus tactically being better than Juve- than Manchester United. Um, they've been reeling this season. Mourinho seems not to care, even though they got a pretty decent result against Chelsea this weekend. Uh, but it's going to be Juve masterclass, I think, and it's going to be a, you know the same Juve we always see. It's not it's not going to blow you out or anything. They're going to do just enough to get the win. 
Okay. I, I, I think Juve is going to win this game two goals to one. I think that, uh, it's just Manchester United are just in such a shambles right now. Um, and yeah, I know that they fought hard to, uh, to get a draw at Stamford bridge and all this other stuff, but you can't really seriously look at me straight faced and say that, um, this Man United team is in it for Mourinho and that they believe in the project and all of this other nonsense that goes yeah. with it, you know? Um, so I, I'm with you. I'm going, I'm going two one to Juve. I think they're going to go to the, I think that Allegri is going to get resourceful. They're going to concede one. Um, does Ronaldo score is the question. I think he does. That would be good theater, wouldn't it? Um, it would. that would, it would be, that would be very good theater. I, I'm going to give him one, yeah. Uh, but I think the other one's just going to come from a really strange source. Um, yeah. You know, maybe a Miralem Pjanic goal, which is not that strange, but but that's kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never know. Um, so uh, so that's kind of where I'm going to go with it. Uh, it's going to be a very good game, get tightly contested, but I'm going to go with Juve for the win. Two goals to one, and we'll, Serie A will continue their dominance over EPL. Um, all right, so then getting to the Wednesday games... Oh, let's have some fun here, Richard. Oh, uh, away matches. Inter, travel to the Camp No, playing Barcelona. You heard Nima's take uh, yeah. on his thoughts. Yes, Barcelona aren't going to have Messi, but it sounds like Inter could pretend they're going to be without Nainggolan, probably without Perisic, probably without Brozovic. Do we think Barcelona's a little more ordinary without number 10 on the pitch, and is that enough to give Inter a chance? A little more ordinary compared to without Messi, yes. Because uh, with Messi, they're extraordinary. So they're a little bit, a little bit lower down, but they're still a very good team. Um, but I, I, I like what Inter has been doing in these European fixtures thus far. Um, and I think you know it'll give opportunities for guys like Martinez to play and some other guys. Inter have the depth to compete if they could play with the same kind of passion they have been playing, you know, against PSV and. And um, Tottenham, you know, having the resolve to like go down a goal and then come back and, and get a result, they could pull a shock win here in this one and take a commanding lead of the group. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with a, maybe like a two-one victory for Inter. Okay, okay. Um, I don't think that's going to. I don't think they're going to win. I, I'm going to go for a one-one draw. Uh, but if Inter is going to beat Barcelona, this is when they need to do it when they don't have their best player. Uh, because when you're looking at them, I mean, still, Philip Coutinho is going to do a lot of damage. Um, they still yeah. have Dembele. They still, you know, and, and Suarez will be Suarez. enough of a threat. But I'll say this. I mean, if, if, if Skriniar and Divai can do that to Iguain, they could do that to Suarez, even though, even though the tactics are going to be totally different. And Barcelona is certainly going to be more superior in possession. So, but I'm going to go on a draw on this one, and I think that Inter are going to not be troubled at all by that because that'll put them on seven points, knowing that maybe just a win over PSV or Tottenham uh, in one of their last two match days, say if you know, regardless of what they do in the return match against Barcelona, will be enough to see them through to the next uh, to the next stage. So, and now Napoli at PSG, uh, Ancelotti returns to Paris. Uh, Cavani against his old team. I mean, the storylines already with this. Um, this is the big one, and if Napoli stand a chance of qualifying out of this group, I said when these groups came out, Richard, and I'll start with this one first, Napoli will advance at the expense of PSG. That was the prediction that I made. So I think they go to Paris and they draw. 
Uh, I thought you were going to say win. <laughs> I think it's going to be a spectacle. I think it's going to be 2-2. Two, two. Um, wow, 2-2. Two, two. You know, I think that uh, there's too much for Paris up front for Napoli to keep them out because Napoli don't play. I mean, Napoli won't play that way. They're not going to be able to. You, you know, you've got Neymar, you've got Mbappe, you've got, you know, I think if there's one player they're going to be able to contain, it's going to be Cavani. I don't think there's a narrative here for Cavani. Um, I think that Koulibaly can do the job on him. It's those other attacking players that PSG can boast that I worry about. Neymar and Mbappe in particular. I think those are the guys that are going to have games in this one. But going the other way, I think that PSG can be susceptible enough. Um, you know, I, I can see uh, Insigne doing well. I can see Callihan doing well. I can see Zielinski doing well out of the midfield if he gets the opportunity to start. So 2-2. Two, two. This, this one's going to be fun. Other than the match against Liverpool, who has PSG really gotten uh, pushback from this season? I mean, in Ligue 1, they're running away with it already. That's something you could say is a lock, and, and as, as Ligue 1, as PSG is going to win that. Um, I like what you're saying here about, about Napoli, and, and, and it's Ancelotti again in a European tournament. Um, we know what he can, what he brings to the table. He knows his team is as better as, as good as anyone, right? Uh, maybe more than Tuchel. So, with that said. PSG are loaded with with firepower, uh, like you said, Cavani, Mbappe, Neymar. The list goes on and on, um, and they got a really good goalkeeper uh, to boot. But I think if Napoli can dominate the possession in the f- in the game, especially that midfield, um, Koulibaly, if he can do the number on on Cavani, like like you were saying, he like he's done with everybody else in Syria or anybody else he's faced, uh, striker wise. Um, and I, I'm looking for Insigne and Zelensky to have big games. Um, w- both these players are special players. Zelensky's coming to his own. Insigne has, he just loves these big European games. As we saw with Liverpool, he didn't die the whole game. He just kept playing and finally got that late goal. I'm going to go 1 1 draw, uh, but it's going to be a highly entertaining game with chances and I think a lot of saves both ways. So uh, it'll surely be a, a spectacle. To, you don't want to miss this game for sure. Oh, it's going to be, <clears throat> to me, it's going to be the pick of the games uh, in match week three. Um, Europa League, uh, Milan hosting Betis. You know, you know a thing of two about Betis. Uh, and then Marseille uh, taking on Lazio uh, as Lazio head to the Velodrome. Uh, Milan Betis, uh, give uh, Milan fans that listen to our pod an education of what they have to look out for when they play Betis. Uh, Betis are full of playmakers. Playmakers you've probably never heard of, but nonetheless, they are good. They are. Um, and a veteran, actively, a veteran in Joaquin. Yeah, and Joaquin, who's 38 years young, um, I think that's how he might be even older. Uh, he's doing, you know, for his age, he's doing he's doing wonders, and um, it's a very very good team. The manager's very good. Uh, they're better at home than they are on the road. However, um, they are still a good team. They're contending for Champions League, so that says a lot about them. Um, but. It'll be a. It's, they're not without. There, there'll be chances on you know to get get through their defense. Their defense isn't the greatest in the world, and that's where Milan will have to be clinical. Um, they're going to get shots like they always do, but it's you got to put away these opportunities. And if you guys got you got guys like Iguain or Cutrone playing, it boasts well for you when you get your opportunities. So those guys can definitely finish it. So it'll be a uh, definitely good game. I'm going to go with. Milan recover from their derby loss and get a win against Betis, but only by a goal, maybe like 2-1 or something. I'm with you. I think 2-1 feels right in this one for Milan. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, they'll get back on track. I think Reyna starts, uh, which, will be, which will be helpful. 
I, yeah. you know, I think you start Suzo again just because of that experience. Be interesting. Does Castillejo start because of his, because of his La Liga experience? You, you got to think that he might have a role in this match at some point. So, um, <clears throat> so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting in that vein. Lazio heading to Marseille. Now Marseille having their issues so far. They lost to Eintracht Frankfurt, but of course Lazio Lazio did too. I mean, this is all of a sudden looking like a battle for second place in this group. Um, Marseille can vote both players like Dimitri Payet. Uh, I don't know if Tovan's going to be back in time for this. I know he didn't. I don't think he played in the last match day. I'm trying to trying to remember how that worked out. Um, <clears throat> but they also they also boast attacking talent. I'm sorry. To, I'm, I'm thinking about Leon and Fek here. Um, Tovan will be Tovan will be available. Um, they have strikers now. They have Mitroglu, who's well traveled and can score goals. Um, you know, on the, uh, on, on the outsides, at least in the, uh, on the, uh, fullback positions, uh, they have the Japanese international. I think it's Sakai, um, that, that plays, uh, in midfield, they have Luis Gustavo. So they have some veteran players. They have a very experienced team. This is a team that reached the final of the Europa League last season and the Lazio team that showed their grit here winning at Parma, um, we Lazio could not close the deal for Serie A going six for six. Um, we don't think a six for six is going to happen here because we've got a couple of draws in there. At least I do. Um, size up Lazio's chances here at the Velodrome. Well, the things that are going in their favor is that you know, as you said, Marseille have been playing that well. They lost to Eintracht uh, in in the last Europa League fixture. They've lost to Lyon and Lille both in Ligue 1 uh, since that time. Um, Lazio are now getting contributions, you know, from the likes of Joaquin Correa. Immobile scores as always. If they can figure a way to get um, Luis Alberto, you know, get some goals and some other guys contributing, I like it. Uh, you know, I like Lazio in this kind of game because um, no one expects too much from them. You know, Marseille are very good at home. They're they're a good squad, but they're really good at home. That the Velo, the, the Stad Velodrome can be a daunting place to play at, but. Um, we've seen it before that Lazio can go on the road and get victories. They did it against Juventus, which is one of the hardest places to, to, to win in Europe. Um, they've, they've done it to other places as well. So, I mean, look for Immobile to have a, a, a good game in this one. Um, Milikovic Savic, you know, if he wants to be, be the man, he needs, this is, these are the type of games that he needs to step up in. I think he, I think he will. Um, so I look for Lazio to probably get a score draw on the road, which would be a very good result because Marseille are very, very good at home. Mm. Um, I think Marseille beat, beat Lazio. Uh, I hate to say it. Uh, 2-1 is the score here. I think that... Okay. I find this Lazio team to be one that I think that they're going to look at all of this. I, I don't know if they're going to want to... You know, this, this, this might be the classic team that do we really want to compete on two fronts or do we want to fight for our... Long term, do we want to fight for our place to return to a European competition? They're they're in that they're at those they're at that crossroads right now, because Fiorentina is getting better. Um, Atalanta is eventually going to get their act together. Milan's eventually going to get their act together. You know, it's hard to say that about a team that went six games unbeaten before the Starby loss, but um, you know, Roma's still going to be. There's still a lot of teams here, so fourth is going to be a real dog fight. But then fifth, sixth, and seventh are going to be a fight. You know what's going to be important to Simone Inzaghi's men going forward. But then I also think that 
defensively, they're still still susceptible. I don't think Parma did. Parma unfortunately didn't do anything to expose that, but Marseille have the players to to do it. Uh, and I think they go on. I think last season's Europa finalists will go on and win this game. I hate to say that about Lazio. I'd like to see them win. I'd like to bang the drum for Italian football. I just don't see. I don't see a win for them. I don't even see a draw for them here. So uh, maybe they get them back at the Olimpico uh, in the return match. But but for this one, I'm gonna I'm gonna tip Marseille for the win. So um, so those are our predictions on how we think the Serie A teams are going to fare in Europe. Go to at Serie A, sit down on Twitter or Instagram uh, with your thoughts. Uh, and we will put in it we'll, at this point that puts a bow on this edition of Serie A sit down. Um, Richard and I really don't have anything to plug anymore. So we're just going to do Twitter checks uh, unless you have something to plug, Richard. Uh, fire away. <laughs> I do not. I just uh yeah at r underscore Carmen K H A R M A N on Twitter or, or Instagram and yeah that's all I got these days. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm at FTC underscore twenty one. Uh, sorry if you invested in my Fearless Five this week. I I do not uh, I do not give refunds. So uh, that is uh, taking my picks and and investing in them is at will. <laughs> so. Uh, Expect some YouTube videos this week, though. We've been slacking, but we'll get some. We'll get them on this week. Yeah, we're gonna get caught up on that, uh, both of us. It's just it's uh, things get away from us, and I did more so for Richard with the baby at home. So uh, me, I'm just lazy. So um, you know, so uh, but but definitely, uh, and and we want to thank again Nima Tavali, who was fantastic, uh, helping you know me break down the uh, Derby del Madonina. It was an exciting. You know, go back and rewind it. I'm gonna play that. I'm going to play that multiple times as we So eloquently said too, he's a, he's, he speaks very well, much yeah. better than I do. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a very, uh, very entertaining discussion and exchanging of ideas from between a Milan supporter and an Inter supporter that went on there. So, um, but uh, but uh, definitely going to get him on a lot sooner uh, for his third cap. Uh, you know, so uh, so thank you, Nima, once again, and. Uh, uh, Sempre Inter is his podcast. Go check that out over on iTunes. You can check us out on iTunes. We have our own page there. You can go to SoundCloud. We have our own page there. You can find us on Stitcher if, if that's where you listen. Um, you know, so we're there. Uh, Serie A sit down on YouTube. Uh, once again, we're going to try to get uh, uh, get rolling on those videos and try to get caught up on that. Uh, so, and, and we're at Serie A sit down on Twitter. Uh, or Instagram, got a uh, thought uh, or got a uh, topic you want us to cover on a future podcast, uh, drop us a line at each of those places. So uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. This is Serie A Sit Down. Thank you for listening. And as always, make sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao. Oh, mia bella madonina, che te berrime de lontana, Ti te dominet mila, sota ti se vive la vita, se sta mai coi mani ma, canten tu lontan de Napoli se ma poi vegni anche a Milano.